Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another edition of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune. Hi, guys. Hello. How are you doing? Gave me the finger, finger guns this time. Finger right? guns today, yeah. Oh, wow. Coming out hot off the three-game win streak. Let's do good. it. Let's do it. Gunslinger. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to talk about um, the Somebody Vikings. saying gunslinger? Oh, <laughs> I haven't done that for a while. I was, I was no. prompting you. I was thinking we haven't done that for a while. No. That's the first one in a while. Mm-hmm. But that's too good of a setup not to do it. It is. I know. I know. That was. Well, we'll talk about a game that should have been a shootout between the Vikings and the Cowboys, but – Andy Dalton come to town and the slumping Cowboys coming off four straight losses. Doesn't look like they're exactly going to be in prime shape, setting up what could be a Vikings run, maybe into the NFC wildcard playoff picture. Uh, We'll talk about Sunday's matchup, how that plays into the next three games they've got, which could be potentially not against a single starting quarterback for any of those three teams. Um, We'll get into some of the special teams woes, uh, wide receiver draft class and Justin Jefferson sitting atop it. And then we'll also take your Vikings questions. Um, guys, let's start, though, with just this game on Sunday and kind of how it's shaping up. It's coming up Millhouse, as they would say on The Simpsons, with the Vikings uh, not facing Dak Prescott, Teddy Bridgewater potentially going to miss Sunday's game, and then who knows for the following week in his trip to Minnesota. And then Jake Lutton starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars that the Vikings face in three weeks. Um, ben, it's quite the turnaround from a month ago when we're talking to the GM and he's saying, I guess we'll see how good we are after these next three games. It's coming up Millhouse in an even-numbered year, too, which is uh, particularly bizarre. I mean, typically when things and, – and make no mistake, there have been some years where we've watched this thing and said, boy, oh, boy, everything is breaking their way. Um, those are usually odd-numbered years when that happens, at least under Mike Zimmer, 2017 being the prime example, but probably even a little bit last year in terms of health and, and that kind of thing. But – yeah, for it to be happening now, um, the way it went early on is fortuitous for them in terms of the breaks, but they've also earned it. I mean, they've faced a Lions team that has a lot of flaws. They faced a Bears team that has a putrid offense. They beat the Packers at Lambeau Field. Yes, the weather contributed to the game, but they win three straight division games after going one and five in the division last year. I mean it's hard to take that away from them when they've had this much trouble in the division to the point where Mike Zimmer got asked this week, did you put more emphasis on division games this year? Like, no, you always put emphasis on division games. It's just that they've been able to win them so far. And um, this was a stretch that I think a lot of us figured, okay, they're going to lose in green Bay. They're going to lose in Chicago. And that's it. They're two and seven at that point, And it's over instead they have a, a, a outside chance at this point. I, I think, you know, most websites that ain't calculate probabilities would put it 20% or something like that, um, which could grow as soon as tonight, depending on results of that Cardinal Seahawks game. So yeah, they have a chance and a soft schedule here to, to take advantage of it. Yeah. Mike, what do you think about how it's kind of shaping up for them? I think you can't get the bounce from losing Yannick Ngakwe until you have Yannick Ngakwe. So I think that's the real key to this season is that they're 
started one and five and then traded him. And we all thought they're giving up on the season. They're three and oh, since they, uh, since they traded the guy that they, they thought they needed. Um, joking aside, I, I think they have played better. I don't know exactly what it is. I think maybe Zimmer's gotten into a better rhythm of figuring out how to call these games with the personnel he has. Maybe it's, it's maybe counterintuitive, but it almost feels like being a little bit more limited with your defensive backs has made him, you know, have to have to be more conscious or be more kind of focused with, with what they're doing and when to blitz. And, and, you know, blitz has certainly told a lot of the story. I thought from that Chicago game as did, as frankly did Kirk Cousins third down passing, uh, which was a, an unexpected, unexpected treat, but they're, they're, they're just, you know, like, like Ben said, they're, they're playing better. They've as, as bad as the opponents have looked, they've, they've earned, this uh this winning streak um you know the only thing notwithstanding is you know some pretty glaring special teams problems that haven't so far uh, at least cost them so if i'm them i'm i'm a little concerned about that maybe i'm feeling fortunate that i've gotten away um in spite of that but also probably makes me feel pretty good about how the offense and defense have played by and large at least these last three weeks yeah let me ask you what i guess what have you learned about the offense and the defense in this kind of three game stretch that can be consistent and can carry over. Um, and I guess the big, the big question with all that is, is Kirk cousins week to week. Yeah. I mean, I, what have I learned? I, I think I've learned more that I think they've, they've leaned into their playmakers, which I think they had, they have, you have to do that no matter what, but this team, you know, with, enough guys hurt, you know, get Anthony Barr hurt, Daniil Hunter out um, on defense. They feel like they've really put a lot on the plate of Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks. And those guys have risen to the occasion and they've gotten enough from kind of their young defensive line rotation. Um, so I, I guess one of the things I've learned is that Mike Zimmer is still a pretty good defensive coach, um, that he can piece this together. Um, I know the Bears are not a great offensive team, but they only give up six, six offensive points to the Bears on Monday, 149 yards. Any, any, I don't care who, how bad the Bears are. You know, it's still Nick Foles is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Like that's an offense that should be able to do more than that. And they had him pretty well bottled up in the second half, in particular. So I think I think we've learned that he's still got some chops. Uh, if we, if we were worried that the game passed him by in some way, that that seems to be an exaggerated. And I guess on offense, I don't know if, I don't know if I ever learn anything about Kirk Cousins. I think I just I said we see things from week to week and. I think against Chicago, he was actually really good. Um, I, th- I thought his, you know, I, I don't think they asked him to do a ton, but on third down, it was like nine of 10 for like 150 yards and both touchdowns. I 10 think 11. Yeah. 10 11. I mean, he was, he was, you know, I'm sure they were, you know, selling out to stop, stop Dalvin Cook. But I think the thing we talked about on the podcast last week was that's going to mean Kirk Cousins has to make plays and he made plays. So. I don't know if we've learned that they can win that way and depend on Cousins to make those third down throws, but we've learned at least that they can do that again. It was like the ninth time under Zimmer. Um, I go back. I mean, it's, it's in my day after kind of mm-hmm. notes blog analysis thing that I do. It was like the ninth time under Zimmer that they have held an opponent without an offensive touchdown. So, you know, the bears, had a chance there if if that pass doesn't go off Anthony Miller's fingertips to go down and potentially win the game and then you're talking about special teams having cost in the game I mean that yeah. would have been a Dan Bailey extra point uh Cordero Patterson kick return that's why you lose a game um but 
as it is, they did not allow an offensive touchdown, which even if that offense is as bad as it is on the Bears side of things, it still takes you not busting a coverage. Things we saw happen earlier in the year to give them an easy score. I mean, even as big of a mess as the Bears are, if you bust a coverage and give low-hanging fruit to an NFL team, they're going to take it. So I think you can say that, that this defense has gotten better at not allowing the big plays, not allowing things to kind of just fall apart on the back end such that you get burned because of it. I, I think they've been better in that regard, um, which, which I think is a big credit to them and, and a big credit to that coaching staff that they've been able to get to that point in relatively short order where they can, it's not a great defense, but they can at least keep things together, which when you are going the way you are on offense, or at least have the ability to, to go the way that you can go, that may be enough to at least be competitive. I mean, th- this whole thing, I think, falls apart if you can't use Dalvin Cook the way that you are. And I, I have questions about that in terms of, A, how long he can hold up, and B, if they're using him too much, perhaps on second and long, which we can get into. But when you have him doing what he's doing and you have playmakers like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen that Kirk Cousins can trust – there may be enough there to win some games, be competitive and, and sneak in. And then I don't, I don't want to say who knows there it's anybody's game after that, but um, you at least could build a lot of confidence going forward. If you can make a run and, and potentially sneak in one of those back spots in the NFC playoff picture. Yeah. Ben, with everything you just said about the offense, um, I guess, what do you think about the line that Gary Kubiak seems to be walking in terms of, when to be aggressive with Kirk Cousins in this offense and when to take those runs on second and long, um, even second and short, they run all the time. They don't necessarily try yeah. to take big shots in those positions. Um, and then you see, for instance, before halftime, we talked before, but what do you, I mean, the, the, it shows the cautiousness that he brings to this with Cousins because they've got 49 seconds and two timeouts just before half. He didn't leave the that. timeouts there like Kirk Ferentz did. Yeah, in the, in the Bears <laughs> game. Brought the pig in the bears game and and you see him kind of sit on the ball with two Dalvin cook runs and say, you know what, we're not going to push. I mean, I guess just, what do you think about the line that they have to walk with cousins? And is it fair to question whether or not they're not being aggressive enough at times? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, in the question for me is, is this a philosophical thing? Uh, Because we know they want to run the ball. They've said that a time or two. I mean, they've made that point that they want to run the ball. Is it that, given the Zimmer preference, Gary Kubiak's history of how he wants to run his offense, or is some of it that they don't want to take chances in situations where they're worried about Kirk making a mistake? Because I think Ben Baldwin just put this out there who runs a lot of, he writes for the athletic and and, uh, runs a lot of the NFL fast R stuff uh, database where you can go and parse play by play data in all sorts of different ways. Uh, He had just put out a stat about, on every second and one where the Vikings had at least a 5% chance of winning the game, they've run the ball every single time, which those plays should be opportunities to take shots. I mean, second and one is a, is a prime time to take a shot down the field. I mean, that's it, it, second one around midfield is I think when most defenses are on alert saying, watch out for something deep. I mean, that's, you know, we've seen Aaron Rodgers do that for years on second and one. It's, 
take a shot because you can always come back and get your yard on third and one. So the fact that they're not doing that, I have to think is not just a philosophical thing because you're leaving money on the table if you believe that you can hit some of those throws. And that may make that may hint at how they feel about Cousins or how they felt when he was making the mistakes that he made early in the year because you have the receivers to do it. You have a quarterback who has been pretty good at hitting things downfield. And second and one should be a great play action down, especially when you have the tendencies that you've established of running it all the time. So I have to think it's more than just a philosophical thing about why they're not doing that. And I also wonder when you're running as much as you are on second and long, how that's going to play on third downs in the long term and how that's going to play with the amount of work you're asking Dalvin Cook to do. Well, I think, too, it speaks to a little bit of, yeah, understanding that when Kirk Cousins is leading the NFL in interceptions at one point, knowing that they're not all on him, um, it still speaks to a risk mitigation that they kind of have to do with their quarterback. This this is an offense that drives through Dalvin Cook. And even in a game like I think because there were so many fans, at least I got this a lot on social media about people upset that Dalvin Cook runs 30 times for under 100 yards without understanding that Kirk Cousins doesn't throw for over nearly 300 yards unless they've got that kind of anchor in the offense in Dalvin Cook to keep them on track and keep them in those like third and fives and stuff like that. And, and for Kirk to be able to hit quick outs to convert and not have to push the ball downfield on third and 20 all the time. Um, I just, I don't think that we've seen the John Day Filippo Kirk Cousins offense. The thing is we've mm-hmm. seen, we've seen the range of what can be asked of Kirk Cousins in Minnesota in just three years. And I think the numbers speak for themselves that Gary Kubiak, Kevin Stefanski, this kind of system works so much better for him. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the, the, the tension here always is in the sense that I mean, the Vikings talk about, you need to run to set up the pass and analytics would disagree, disagree with that pretty vehemently. It would almost say the opposite that you could throw to set up the run. But the thing the Vikings are never going to come out and say is we have to do that because we don't have a quarterback that can do it the other way. We have to do it given the way we are set up because we need to make things a little bit easier for this quarterback. He's good enough that we can succeed if we do that, but he's even said it. I mean, I I talked to him before the season about his statistics in 2019, statistically the best year of his career. And he kind of did the, well, it looks that way, but, I don't necessarily see it as that I played that much better. I see it as we ran the ball. I mean, that's, that's verbatim what he said to me when I sat down with him before the season or sat down virtually on a, I was sitting, I was on a zoom call, but um, (laughs) that's what he said is that the numbers were great. Yes. But I look at it more because we were able to run the ball. So he has, he's the first one to say it, that they are better when he doesn't have to do it all. And I think some of what, the we need to run to set up the pass is saying in Minnesota is with this quarterback, that's how we have to play. Well, but that's how they have to play to keep moving the ball. They did pretty well on Monday night in Chicago with all the things they have to do to get the offense on track defensively with all the injuries, the things they had to do to keep that on track. The last thing they need is um, punts, kicks, um, extra points, coverage, all that kind of stuff, ruining their games. And, and I guess, Mike, you brought it up a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, we heard from Marwin Malouf, the special teams coordinator on Thursday of this week. 
Um, he talked about, he said, look, the issues on Monday night started with the kickoff that should not have been directly to Cordero Patterson on the 104 yard return. Um, it continued obviously with the botched, um, long snap to, um, Cole quit on the extra point attempt, uh, that Dan Bailey couldn't even get off and he couldn't commit to even keeping Austin cutting long-term and said, I don't know if we're going to make a change or not. Um, so I guess, Ben, what did you think about? What did you think about what we heard from him today and kind of what that means going forward for the special teams group? It was interesting because it's going to be one of those interviews that if you just read the quotes in print, they're going to sound very combative. I mean, it was Marlon talking about he's coming yeah. at me, I'm coming at him. Um, it, it, the video of it is, is probably worth seeking out on that one just to get a little bit better sense of some of the body language and, and where he's coming from. And Marwan Malouf, I think is a little bit like Mike Prefer in the sense that he's very direct. He can be okay with somebody yelling at him and not think it's the end of the relationship. I, I know that's a very uh, antithetical thing to Minnesotans, but there are places in the country where people think that way. And I think both Mike Zimmer and Marwan Malouf, are coming at it that way. So yes, it looked bad on the sidelines Monday night. No, it would not be out of character for that to lead to a termination of employment. At some point, we have a history of that happening with coaches here that things haven't worked out for them with Mike Zimmer. Um, But I didn't get the sense listening to him today as though he was deeply offended by the way things went maybe he is and he's just not going to tell us that there's always that possibility but from what I know and what I've seen of him I I think he's a direct enough guy that somebody relating to him that way may not be the worst thing in the world Mike is this a is this a part of a Viking special teams curse because when you finally have the kicker punter thing figured out (laughs) everything else can just kind of you know go wrong yeah, I've, I tweeted something this week of something of uh, something about the just your your prefer comment made me think about just Blair Walsh is doing workouts. Well, oh man, or just how um, you know, I was like, you know what else he has in common? He's overseeing a failing Vikings uh, special teams unit. But um, yeah, it's I don't know the thing that I don't get, and it's it's, it's in all phases because like you had Dan Chisna, he, he gave up 19 yards of field position. Like you just get your foot off of the the end you know the end zone line you, you give up they give up a big punt return too like it's not just one phase of special teams it's not like they're the kicker can't make a kick like when that happens it's like okay you gotta you gotta replace the kicker we know all about that dan bailey seems fine the one that really gets me is like the one position through all of this weirdness of the last eight months that absolutely should be like airtight right now that you could work on nonstop for eight months by yourself is long snapping. <laughs> like you could Austin cutting, get a bucket. Yeah. He could or have like a, a thousand reps every day. Just like through his legs, go get the ball through his legs, go get the ball. Like a solitary or like a pitching net. kind of, yeah. Just like if anything could be worked on in isolation, it is that, and that's just falling apart. So I don't get it. I don't know if it's coaching, if it's, when one thing goes wrong, um, you know, the, the whole unit seems to suffer, but it's bad. And it's, you know, we've seen, you know, 2016, I, I, we blame a lot of 
what went wrong that season on the offensive line, but there were some epic special teams meltdowns that year. The loss of the Lions when they yep. – Blair Walsh. Uh, when Blair Walsh, what did he kick? He did, did the wrong kickoff, and they got good field position. And he missed a couple of kicks in that missed game. A couple too. kicks in that game, and there was another game I feel like that was close. Maybe the Cowboys game. I can't remember what exactly, but there was like enough. Well, maybe Thielen fumbled a punt in the Cowboys punt return. Game. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So anyway, it, special teams has derailed seasons before, and it, it could still stop a promising turnaround in its tracks. If, you know, if, if they, you know, it could have cost them the other night. It really could. And here we're talking about playoff games and talking about special teams issues. These these two live wires are essentially heading toward one another. Yeah. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Mike, I thought you were going to mention the fact that that long snappers actually been kind of a, a consistent part of the Vikings special teams. And then when yeah. they get everything else in place, that decides to go wrong. Because, I mean, you think about it from Colin Leffler to Kevin McDermott, it took McDermott losing part of a finger to lose his job. Like, you know, that guy was almost yeah. infallible until he lost part of a finger. I was so. convinced, too, like everything that had gone wrong the night was it like they're up 1913 with like 45 seconds left and they decided to punt. They're like, we're just going to tempt fate. We're gonna we're gonna let Britton Colquitt go back here. Uh, we're gonna let a guy who's got two punts blocked take a snap from a guy who's already grounded one uh, back to the back to the holder. I was like, this is it. This is how they're gonna lose twenty to nineteen. This is this is how things are gonna happen. You were seeing visions of Justin Cusick. This, this is exactly Justin Cusick was like two thousand four or something like this. Two thousand five. It was a day of my back. Four was four was the last time they beat had beaten them before uh, the other a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I thought thought that was it. This was going to be the this is going to be the capper on a on a two week run of, of special teams misery. <laughs> but it wasn't. They, he he kicked it into the end zone. He got it away. It was fine. And Bears backup, Bears third string quarterback. Uh, as luck would have, it was not really very good. Justin Cusick. Yeah, a, I'm just getting mad at Glenn Mason. Subject. No, we did not discuss what to do if the snap was bad. Maybe you should have. I don't know. Maybe it should have. Hey, on, on a happier note, is is Chris Boyd? Is he good? Never see that freaking axe again. Is Chris um, is Chris Boyd good? Is that what you just asked? Yeah, is Chris Boyd like good? Have they have they found something here? I don't know. Like sometimes when you get a bunch of injuries, it forces you to you know you have to reach into your depth. Like is this you know by necessity he's been playing, but he seems like he's playing all right. Well, the good thing for him is that last year they liked so much of what he was doing on special teams. I mean, I think he led, led the team in special team snaps, um, was kind of growing into a leader on that group. And usually that kind of helps translate because it means you're doing something right in terms of your preparation, just how you approach the job. And so I guess it kind of helps translate a little bit, but um, he had a rough outing a little bit in Green Bay, even though it was high winds. Um, I think he's had some ups and downs, but far less than maybe what Holton Hill was having. Um and some of the other corners you've seen on this defense. So I guess it's been a good find overall, because no matter what, they felt like he was going to be a good special teamer for them. Um, I just think it was a matter of, can he kind of grow to be that kind of maybe reserved corner that you can turn to? Um, unlike maybe before in the past when you couldn't with like a Marcus Sherrill's or something like that. What do you think? Ben? Yeah, I, I think he's been better. I mean, it, I think it's, you have not seen the big plays as much as you saw them with Hill or you you saw them. I mean, even with Cameron Dantzler at times, which, you know, that you're going to get some of that with a rookie, but they have not given up as many of those. And I think that's 
that's helped a lot. I mean, they were they were giving those up at a rate early this year that was one of the worst in the NFL. I mean, it was I think they were second or third worst in the league in terms of the number of plays of 20 yards or more they had given up and they were on a trajectory that they were going to, I think, basically eclipse full year totals by week nine or 10. And, and things have slowed down there in terms of the kind of the, the big haymaker type things they're allowing. So I think, and it's hard to say that Chris Boyd being here is the reason for that, but it's another one of those things where if he was out of position or playing poor technique or didn't know his assignment, you see pretty quickly where some of these quarterbacks can make them pay for that. We've seen it for a lot of this season where if there's the slightest opening, these quarterbacks are good enough to pounce on it. And there haven't been as many of those moments in the last couple of weeks. And I have to think that's, that suggests he's at least doing enough to not be the sort of flashing red light where it's, Oh, I can go after this guy. And you're going to, probably have a little bit of a stretch here where the quarterbacks they're playing aren't necessarily great in, in this next three game homestand here. But like we're saying, these guys are so good enough that if, if you give them an obvious opening, they're going to take it. And I think it at least tells you that they're not doing that. And that involves Chris Boyd as well. All right. Welcome back to Access Vikings podcast and Strip Sports Live. However, you are, are enjoying your Star Tribune Vikings content, Michael Rand here, Andrew Kramer, Ben Gessling. we got a bunch of good questions to, uh, to get to. Andrew, do you have one? I sure do. Chris asks, which current playoff team in the NFC is most likely to fade in the second half of the season so the Vikings could get the playoff spot? That's a good question, considering that we're going to see the Cardinals and Seahawks play this Thursday night. By the time some people are listening to this, they would have already known what happens, but uh, that means we know one of those teams is going to lose. So if the Vikings beat the Cowboys on Sunday, which is uh, expected to happen heavily if you look at the Vegas odds, yeah, um, I think we're going to see the Vikings be only down one game to a couple of those teams that you're talking about. And it's the Rams, it's the Bucks who play each other Monday night, it's the Seahawks, it's the Cardinals who play each other Thursday night. Um, who else is in front of them? Um, Saints, the, Buccaneers, Yeah, the nine. The Niners um, have, I think, a game. Oh, no, they're, they're behind them. Four and five. Yeah. yeah, four and six now, I think. Anyway, so it, you're looking basically at the two teams playing tonight, Seahawks, Cardinals, and then I think Bucks, rams are the two other two teams that they got to watch. Um, if the Saints end up slipping because Drew Brees is out for a while, that could also be a team that kind of gives them that spot. And it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens when the Vikings go down there uh, in December. Um, but, Ben, I guess I would start – um, with the Rams, I, I think I would start with the Rams just because I don't believe in Jared Goff um, as much as I think Sean McVay is a great coach. You don't want to play the hits and tell people why the Packers are ripe for a fall? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they got the number one seed right now. I think I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They do, but they've got a tough stretch here coming up. They play the Colts this week, which I think is a tough matchup for them. And they have the Titans still on the schedule, too. And I think there's one more. They, but they also still have two against the Bears to play the Lions yet. I, I don't think realistically you're probably going to catch them if you're the Vikings. I would yeah. agree with you on the Rams. The Rams have a tough schedule. It's They've still got two, I think, against Seattle or Arizona. I can't remember which. I, I think it may be two against Arizona and one against Seattle tonight. Um, you're correct, can, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then they got New so, England, Seattle, yep. two against Arizona. Um, Tampa, and Tampa this week too. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, their schedule is awfully tough. So that, and that would be the one to me that, especially when you're the Vikings and you have a chance here to, to sack up some wins, um, that that's the one I think is the most obvious. The, the Saints, it's going to be interesting because we kind of hear this conflicting stuff about how long Breeze is going to be out. If, if Breeze is gone, I, I don't think Jameis is going to be able to keep things as steady as, as Teddy was able to do last year. But maybe, I don't know. Um, but the Rams, to me, would be the one to kind of keep an eye on there. I think it's the yeah, Cardinals. Man. I think it's the Cardinals. I, I, I like what they're doing. I just anytime a team is kind of new to winning, I, I wonder about the sustainability of that. I would feel better about their ability to catch the Cardinals had they not just won on a hail mary. Like their playoff position, like that was a, a a big turn in that game. If they lose that game, all of a sudden you're like, okay, now they could catch the Cardinals in one week, basically. Um, and now that's not the case. But I, I still would watch. I would watch the Cardinals and see if you know they get some tough games and see if there's a fade in them as much as I like Kyler Murray and, and what they're what they're doing out there. I think the Cardinals at some point, and this is where I'll play the hits. I think the Cardinals end up at Lambeau Field and think Michael Vick slash Colin Kaepernick <laughs> in the playoffs mm. there in the past. Oh. Um, I could see that going that way. Mm. The Seahawks have somehow lost two straight, and they're losers of three of the last four after beating the Vikings by one. I mean, I know Russell Wilson's amazing, but I just don't know if the team around him is going to be good enough. So that the Seattle will be interesting too to see what happens. Problem with Seattle. Problem with Seattle is they'd have any head-to-head tiebreaker. That's why I disqualify them. It's basically like them finishing tied with the Vikings for a playoff spot would be. Uh, We got Logan asking, "What is Zimmer doing to make these no-name cornerbacks look good?" Ben, what do you think? Uh, playing the Bears. <laughs> wow. No. Wow. Um, I mean, that's involved. It helps. In, yeah, I don't think it's that. I mean, I, I think some of it is, you know, he's talked a lot about what they need to do better. And a lot of it has revolved around technique in terms of understanding where receivers are probably going to go with their routes based on how they're lined up. Uh, how they release off the line. Some of it is learning those cues that you don't necessarily have to learn all the time in college because receivers are probably not running that variable of a route tree. Um, So some of it I think has been just being better in those settings. And some of it has probably been, I think his blitzes have been awfully good. He's found some new ways to get pressure that has not allowed quarterbacks to sit back there and kind of, look through the secondary like they're perusing a menu at a restaurant like we saw in the first couple of weeks of the season. So I, I think it's been a number of things there that he's been able to help them out. But I think some of it is probably also just you're further into the year. I, I think whether it's Zimmer or Durante Jones, the new defensive backs coach, they drill technique a lot. And I think some of that stuff is starting to sink in now that you've had enough time with this group to start to get a little better handle on that. Yeah, Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I I agree with a lot of those things. I mean, I feel like limiting big plays, which probably has something to do with some continuity and some familiarity and some, some scheme. I mean, you know, maybe they just, they lost so much time this year. And maybe this is kind of what we said early in the year that this was probably going to take some time. And some of it could just be the process of time and, 
you know, Zimmer defenses do feel like they tend to get better as, as years go on, especially, you know, I think 2015, I think in particular made me feel that way, but um, you know, it's, that was kind of a younger defense too. So, you know, if he's, if he's a teaching kind of coach and you had really not much of an off season and no discernible preseason, it's, it's almost like the, the first, those six games of the year, not like they were an extended preseason, but there was a lot of on the job learning that probably would have gotten smoothed out um, in an area where we didn't see it um, in most years. All right. we got another question. I got, I got a hot one from Randball Stew, who wants to know now that now that Zimmer has improved the defense, good segue, by the way, uh, do you think this will give him more time to focus on his true calling of sabotaging the offensive coordinator? <laughs> Look at three game winning streak just really brings out the, the joy in Vikings fans. I think uh, the I think, offensive coordinator is not going to face an early withdrawal penalty on his 401k. So I think he's probably okay. <laughs> I think, the, <laughs> I think, the, I think the special teams, coordinator the one, I think the special teams coordinator is the one who's keeping him busy this week. I don't, I don't know if it's the offensive coordinator. He's always going to have an assistant, I think maybe to keep him busy. And right now it's probably Marwin Malouf. Yeah. Just making a county joke there. That was kind of fun. That was good. It was good. It was a reckoning. It was a reckoning. Um, uh, I got a couple here. Yeah, do do a couple questions, and I got uh, one on DM. And I got a chicken finger statement. We can finish. With. All right. Uh, I'm gonna. Aaron sent me this one in a DM, and I I promised him I would get to it because I thought it was interesting. Uh, he said Stefan Diggs trade is universally universally considered a success on both sides. I agree. But what if Diggs was here weeks one through three? Are any of those wins? Wait a minute. No, no, no. Wait a minute. No, Tennessee was the Justin Jefferson breakout game. Yeah. Okay. Um, no. So yeah, one he had the long touchdown on that one. Yeah. You know, I, you'd have to go back and look at individual plays. Was there one that – because did Cousins throw a pick in that game that was intended for Jefferson? He had a couple that were. It was like on an out route where Jefferson stopped. Yeah, I, but I can't remember. But we that too. So um, he had his he had his one target ever in that Green Bay game to the receiver. I can't remember his name. Is the veteran they brought in the offseason? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. my god, I forgot about that. Maybe if, right. <laughs> maybe if that was Stefan Diggs instead of Tajay Sharp on that route. That, that play got a lot of attention after that fourth, game. That fourth and three. A fourth down shot to Tajay Sharp should get a lot of attention, considering where this <laughs> offense is at right now, and considering where Justin Jefferson is at right now, because you could have put him. I don't care how raw or how unconfident he is. You could have put him out there, and I think he would have given you a better shot than Tajay Sharp. That's just my guess. Did you see Richard Sherman talking about Justin yeah. Jefferson on PF? Yeah. Was it PFF Live? I don't know what it was exactly. It was, he was just like, I don't know if he bought stock in Justin Jefferson, but oh my gosh, he was like, that was, was a fan. as much uh, compliments as I've seen a, a active cornerback give a wide receiver. Which is interesting because they haven't played them. I mean, no. He's probably just seen him on film, I would guess, of right. you know, playing the Seahawks or you know, whoever else they have faced that's on the schedule that they would have seen the Vikings show up on film. But um, they haven't played the 49ers. So, yeah. yeah, I thought it was interesting that he said that. But, yeah, he said he was like, you know, he, he seems like a veteran with the way he plays, which I think we've all seen that. But it was interesting just given the fact that they have not crossed paths directly that he said that. 
Yeah. yeah, and I guess I guess to answer that question, Ben, I don't know. I don't think that they were necessarily missing that second wide receiver. I don't know if that was the element they were missing yeah. in weeks one and two so much as it was Kirk Cousins playing so poorly uh, out of the gate in both of those games, specifically in the Colts game. I mean, that was yeah. atrocious. And they gave us yeah. points to Green Bay. Would, the, would Diggs have been a more of a security blanket for him in the Colts game? Maybe, yeah. It's I think it's hard to – sit there and point to one of them. I mean, the Titans game, maybe there's a play or two. Maybe Diggs does the same thing Jefferson did without um, – and maybe there's another play or two he makes. I You have to go back through it on a pretty granular level. But, um, yeah, in, interesting uh, thought exercise at least. Um, one more here. Um, there's a couple different ones. We talked about some of the second and long stuff earlier on in the podcast with Andres – uh, what do y'all think about the Vikings love affair with runs on second and long uh, where they've seen too many of those lately. And then um, conditional love asks, can the Vikes be a legit contender with their run first philosophy? Would Zimmer ever be open to a more pass happy offense like Buffalo? Speaking of Stefan Diggs, is this philosophy based on personnel or is the personnel selected based on the philosophy? I fear it is the latter. That's like a three-part question. Did this, well, what, did this, did this person relinquish their fandom in 2018 this, yeah, this, this season yeah this person entered the chat in 2019 this person did not this person was not around when john de filippo was getting chewed out uh, after losses for not running the ball enough yeah she kind of answered the question yeah yeah i, yeah, yeah. I think the i think they, they want this is how zimmer wants to play this is yeah. you yeah. know i don't think he i don't think 19 points is his ideal output but the style yeah. that they're playing right now where they run the ball and kirk cousins you know, does things on third down and doesn't doesn't hurt them. That's what they want. Well, the the part about is the philosophy selected based on the as a personal yeah. selected based on the philosophy. The offensive line absolutely yes. is it. I yeah. mean, you look at Ezra Cleveland, Brian O'Neill, Garrett Bradbury, all three of those guys, and even you you go back to the first thing they said about Riley Reef and Mike Remmers when they signed both of those guys is they're probably both better run blockers than they are pass protectors. So, absolutely. Those guys, Pat Elfline, too, when he was here, uh, didn't work out, but they were brought in to play that style of run scheme that they'd like to play. And then you say, we'll, you know, do the best we can effectively in pass protection. But yes, in that sense, they it's based on the philosophy. And, and you can argue, is Cousins here based on the philosophy, too? Probably in the sense that they didn't have a ton of interest in going out and getting I, – I can't see a Kyler Murray type coming in here where they say, okay, we're going to run your offense. You know, kind of like the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes where they said, we're going to do things the way that you want to do them because if we're going to bring you in, we're going to do the things that you do well. I, I, I don't see a quarterback like that being here. It's, it's hard for me to imagine that. Yeah, not, not to relitigate everything, I guess, but when you think back to um, how Zimmer wants his offense run, that's what makes the John DeFilippo hiring so baffling because mm. 2017... Zimmer didn't hire DeFilippo. Well, no, that's, I know. But they gave him that coach. No, that's what said, I'm get- this is going to help you. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what I'm getting at in the sense that um, regardless, he had to sign off on it in some form or fashion, regardless of how close he was paying attention to it. Yeah. And I think it's something that he could have seen that, well, they had so much success in 2017 with Pat Shermer. And when you look at Pat Shermer's track record, 
he's run the ball a lot in places he's gone, but no more has he run it than when he was here in 2017. And it was because of the relationship with Zimmer and how they wanted to run it. And that year they lost their second round running back for the entire season and had to rely on Murray and McKinnon. And it didn't matter. They were still going to run, run, run. Then they bring in this guy that has really no ambitions of doing that. Only wants to run out of the shotgun when it's an RPO. And how is that a marriage that was ever going to work? Anyway, they, they got torched in that, title game and that probably made it a little more attractive but the other interesting piece of that to go down memory lane is the fact that they then blocked Stefanski and didn't just give him the job in the first place because Stefanski wanted to go to the Giants with Pat Shermer and Zimmer talked about loyalty and all that stuff he said at the combine mm-hmm. that year that I think that was the same interview he basically strafes the entire gosh that was that was a yeah. remarkable day yep um yep. with the whole Bradford's knee is degenerative yeah. and we don't think Teddy's yeah, that one was going to get fired. Was that the same interview too? Yeah, there was a lot there. Um, yeah, the, but the, yeah, in, in one sitting Zimmer said, we don't believe in case Keenum. Teddy Bridgewater's not fully recovered. Sam Bradford's knee is degenerative. And I hope we don't spend all of our money on a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and and the is not loyal. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And Sam Bradford went skiing on his knee. Yeah. Yeah. What a what was, what, a what, is, what did he yeah, what what prompted that? When oh. Combine Zim is uh is yeah. when he's had a little chance to let loose, he he uh, you know, he he's he's famine famine feast because there would be days where he gives you nothing, <laughs> but there are days where he fills your notebook up. He gives oh. you the two hundred and ninety-six yard Adrian Peterson game against the Chargers some days. That was one of those. Um, but yeah, the, the, the kind of puzzling thing there is because Stefanski, I think thought he was getting the job that year and they hired Filippo. I, I think the, the Eagles game probably played into it, but that was not Mike Zimmer's hire. I will say that. All right. Well, and the, really quick, Ben, the numbers to back you up on the assertion of the offensive line too. just looked up Garrett Bradbury is now the number five rated center in all of pro football focus rankings. That's based on a number 36 rating as a pass blocker and a number two rating as a run blocker. So he's definitely, uh, there's definitely a disparity in his skill set. Those stats uh, may find their way into the Star Tribune Vikings notebook oh. tomorrow. Okay. We'll like get it. Garrett Bradbury note in there tomorrow. Cool. Uh, Danny Carlson wants to know, I'll throw this out there either way. Respond to this scenario. The Vikings make a run, end up at nine. And so this is a long one, by the way, because it's a DM. So he's got all the space in the world. <laughs> um, make a run end up at nine and seven squeak into the playoffs maybe pull off a win with cousins playing admirably though not great what does this mean for the quarterback position and the vikings urgency to draft one seems to me most areas of the team are trending upward but this is the 800 pound gorilla in it will run it all back i, I tend to think so too like but they wouldn't have to well, they wouldn't have to do anything at that point right because cousins is under contract they don't need to like they don't well we've talked though about how they kind of kind of do if they if they don't want 800 trillion dollars on their cap next year right yeah i mean that i think that is set up to force a decision because and we've talked about it a lot but his 2021 salary is guaranteed his 2022 salary becomes guaranteed on the third day of the league year this March. So in other words, in like four months months. from today, basically uh, they have to make a decision on him. And if he is here on that contract, as it is set up, he's here. 
his his deal is locked in. You could you could renegotiate and do something different with him after that, I suppose. But you're going to want to do it before the start of the league year, and you're certainly going to want to do it before that thing locks in because then you have no leverage. If if he has guaranteed thirty five million dollars salary for twenty twenty two, and you come to him with some other offer, he's going to be able to say, "Why would I come off of this number? You have to make this worth my while." So, I tend to think that is set up to trigger some type of a decision on him after this year. And maybe they'll stick with it as it is. It's just that that number is so big. I mean, he's scheduled to count for more against the cap in 2022 than Patrick Mahomes is by like 5 million bucks. Mm-hmm. So that just, this that is, number feels so um, out of place. Prince is going to stand for it, doesn't it? Yeah, it just, it feels that that just feels like it's i mean it reminds me of the adrian peterson 18 million dollar option that they they stuck on the back end of that contract it's like this there's there's no way that this is ever going to get exercised as it currently sits so that was almost there to force both sides back to the table before that 2017 season i guess so that's what it feels like to me i think this i think this is a situation where we might and when I say we, I mean more fans um, might just have to take the Vikings at their word a little bit when Rick Spielman says back in was it 2018, um, we want to make this a lifelong partnership, a career long, mm-hmm. not like not yep. lifelong, career long partnership. <laughs> um, and I, I think now with Kirk Cousins rebounding the way he has look, if this three games had gone differently and maybe they're one and seven or two and seven or whatever, and they're not winners of three straight, maybe they entertain it. Um, and maybe they already have, and then they've kind of moved off it. I don't know, but Ben, I would be shocked if at this point we see them do anything but re-sign cousins and keep them even longer. I, the thing I would say is to, you know, because we hear a lot about this, um, you don't have to like the way that they win. You may have reservations about their, commitment to the running game, their choice of quarterback, their choice of how to use said quarterback, their embrace of modern football strategy in terms of how much you throw, how you go for it and fourth down, although they've gotten a lot more aggressive on fourth downs. But there's a lot of it you might not like. But as long as the results are as they are, where they have been competitive I think it's very unlikely there's going to be a change because go back to when the Wills bought the team, they went through three coaches in the first nine years. They owned the team. They, they got rid of Mike Tice in rather embarrassing fashion. After the first year, they got rid of Brad Childress in rather embarrassing fashion after uh, giving him an extension and then going to the NFC title game. And they got rid of the middle of 2010 season, got rid of Leslie Frazier, after going to the playoffs and then the roster kind of fell apart and nobody was really on the same page in terms of who wanted whom and who wanted to work with whom and that sort of thing. So they have been competitive. They have a front office and a coaching staff that work in concert with one another. They have not embarrassed themselves off the field very much. I I think all of those things matter an awful lot to the Wilfs. And until something changes or they get to the point where they say, we're not winning Super Bowls. We're getting to the playoffs, but we're not able to get any farther until that bothers somebody enough. I don't think this is going to change. I, I think the fact that they win ugly, they're still winning. And you have owners that grew up watching the Parcells Giants and were big fans of those teams. 
they don't have any problem with winning games that way. We, you know, those of us in the public may think, hey, there's a different way to do it. Fans may be annoyed by it, but if they're winning games and they're not at a point where they're bottoming out, I don't see much changing. Uh, can we do the chicken fingers statement? Yeah. It's finally. I mean, where's he I know, been? where's he been? I don't know. He, is this... he, okay. No, hang on a minute, though. You, you go dark on us for a month and a half, and then you come back and you want the Rick Riley treatment on the back page of the magazine. I Okay, I guess. He's, he's, our, he's our walk-off. He's our walk-off. I, if he, I guess, if... but, you you know, let this is this is earned, it's, not given. It's, so let's, it's, let's, a, it's let's a bring tough, it up a little bit. It's a tough week for him. He tweeted the other day, like the NBA draft is on and they just closed all the bars. This is not my week. So, yeah. Well, we're here for you if you want to yeah. be here for us. That's all anyway, I'm saying. Considering the win streak, I was trying to think of ways the hippie quarterback could still slip to the Vikings. This is <laughs> shorthand for Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Thinking like, what if he had some weed? That dropped Warren Sapp's draft stock, but then I realized nobody in the world would be surprised if the hippie quarterback had weed. Uh, would anybody would that bother anybody anymore? I'm not no, sure that would, no, you got to do a lot more. Yeah, I don't even know if you if it works if you have um, a gas mask bong video leak um, on draft <laughs> night be anymore because that scared uh, teams all the way down to 11th overall. Yeah. so it didn't even scare them that much. The Dolphins were just like, eh, we'll wait till he's outside the top 10, and then we'll swoop. In I think that's still higher than Sap went. I think Sap was 22, well, and yes, yeah, so yeah. there were higher on the no, but I just I just love yeah. The later it gets, the more progressive we get. The more it becomes accepted. The less teams kind of let those guys slip. Yeah. As yep. as the late great Sid Hartman would say, the weed guy, <laughs> the marijuana guy, <laughs> the marijuana guy. Uh, when they who took was Percy, the marijuana guy? It was Percy Harvin. We we was that it? I was. It was Percy Harvin. Yeah. I thought it was Ontario Smith. Oh, I thought it was no, Percy. No, no, you're right. It was Percy because there was a different Ontario Smith story, but yep. <laughs> we probably can't tell that one for publication. <laughs> no, we can't. Like that was an off-the-record conversation with the coach. Uh, all right. Well, that <laughs> I like it. I like it. Thank you for the – And on the, that note. Yeah, thank you for that statement. Please bring more of them. And with that, we will uh, break this podcast. Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com and check out our podcast after Sunday's game. Maybe you should get off the podcast. <laughs>